The Charlotte Ledger Podcast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network. Hey, it's Tony Macia with the Charlotte Ledger, and you're listening to the Charlotte Ledger Podcast. You can find out more about the Charlotte Ledger by going to thecharlotteledger.com. Today's podcast is part of a special series we're doing in which we interview winners of the Charlotte Ledger's 40 Over 40 Awards. The recipients are people ages 40 and up who are making a big difference in the Charlotte area, people who saw a need and took action. You can find out more at ledger40over40.com. The host of today's podcast is Steve Dunn, and his day job, he's a mediator who offers dispute resolution services through the Charlotte office of Miles Mediation and Arbitration. Enjoy. Welcome to the Charlotte Ledger Podcast. I'm Steve Dunn. I'm joined today by Chris Berger, Vice President of Enterprise Communications for Atrium. Welcome, Chris. Thanks so much, Steve. Great to be here. Vice President of Enterprise Communications. What do you do? Wow. I think the better question is probably what what don't I do? You know, when you think you, about you don't treat patients. Well, that is true. That is true. You don't uh, you don't pay the taxes or run spreadsheets. Thank right? God. Thank God we have people for that. I, you know, when I lead a communications team, it's a typical communications team probably that's set up at a lot of corporate agencies and corporate entities. Basically, I have an internal team that handles, you know, really bringing the hearts and minds of people together to understand the mission and vision and what we're going for. And then also an external team, you know, that it deals with everyday media questions, as well as just getting good news out there about what we're doing. And then that includes social media. So social media, obviously a really big part of communications nowadays. And then also you think about like, we have a big clinical focus at Atrium Health with all of the things that we're involved in and our service lines, you think about our heart and children's, all of those type of things that are happening across the cancer care. So we have people that are dedicated to each one of those service lines and sharing the great stories that are coming out of there or dealing with the crisis that is happening there. So you think about the breadth of everything that we're kind of involved in at Atrium Health spread across many states. You know, We're in North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Alabama now. And we have lots of hospitals in lots of locations. And then not to mention the 75,000 teammates that work there. Well, there's a lot to discuss. I'm interested in this concept of the internal and the external. Yeah. I think uh, from the outside looking in, if you're meeting uh, someone who's involved in corporate communications, you're going to assume that it's a lot about PR and outward facing mm -hmm. stuff. But it sounds like a big part of the job is internal communications. I wonder sort of on your team, sort of on balance, like how much of your resources allocated to each part and what are the uh, objectives and goals of each one of those different yeah. outreach efforts? Well, internal team, like I said, when you're talking about the hearts and minds of teammates, we have obviously a very amazing mission, I believe, and something that's kept me at Atrium Health is, you know, provide health, hope, and healing for all. And so how do you how do you really instill that in teammates and let them see that every day? And you can imagine if you're a nurse working the bedside, or you're a doctor, or you're in someone like me in a service area, those are drastically different areas. And how do you really shape messages to reach them directly to where they actually feel that mission every single day? and want to stay working there. And that's, you know, part of that is engagement. I mean, we talk about that all the time. Our teammates engaged. 
and how do you keep them engaged? And that is a really, really big part of making sure that they, as much as you were talking about the PR side as externally, people see those stories internally, that's just as important. I think that's a missing piece that we do. And one of the things that, you know, when I first joined Atrium Health, then it was Carolina's healthcare system. We really went on this journey to modernize communications. And one of the things we brought on was a teammate app. So no matter, you can imagine if you're a nurse, you don't have time to log on to a computer and check your daily emails and all those things coming from my team, right? You want something that you consume information the same way as everybody else. And there's a reason that people go to Facebook, Twitter, you know, Instagram, all those type of things. It's because there's interesting information there. So we feed up the same type of snackable information about great things that are happening across Atrium Health to every teammate, everybody from the environmental services person to the nurse, to the doctor, to just your everyday worker who's making sure that everything happens in a service area. I'm interested in what you described about social media. And Mm -hmm. you've been a professional in communications for longer than social media has existed, (laughs) right? And so the nature of the work has changed for you and you've had to figure it out. And I wonder, uh, when you're working for a company the size of Atrium, what challenges are created in keeping up with social media and basically communications that's it's moving at a much faster pace than perhaps it did when you started out it's 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 i mean drastically important to stay up to date with everything that's happening social media is how people consume information it used to be long form articles you think about like you know when we were growing up busting out a newspaper was pretty common at your daily routine over coffee or whatever then it turned a little bit more into you know reading that newspaper or something like that on you know, online. Now, if you look at, you know, what's happening is people, Twitter really changed the game, right? Their short little updates, everybody expects now to see whether they're going to engage in an article by just reading the headline. And that has drastically changed how news is shared, right? I mean, they call it clickbait for a reason is people are, you know, reporters have to write now headlines that people want to click on. And if they don't write those, they don't actually probably get paid as much for their actual article. So it's those type of things that we're looking at. And we're looking at ourselves at Atrium Health and my team as a newsroom now. I mean, we actually, we have a whole basically uh, team that looks at all of the things and the articles that we do. We have a blog that we put out there. And same type of concept is we're looking at those same metrics of how are people coming to it? How are they getting there? Which articles are they, which are they, are they clicking on? What is it that's attracting them to those those articles, those type of things? So it's, uh, boy, talk about a big change in the world of like how to disseminate information. Social media has done that, but we're trying to stay up with it. There's some things that just don't make sense for us right now. And you think about like Snapchat and, and some of those like really trendy, just because of resources, video intense type of platforms. And you could, I mean, there's a new one that comes out all the time. My kids remind me of it and they want, they want access to that and we have to evaluate and look at it. So it's actually good for me because I keep on thinking, okay, is there, a, is there a way to integrate this into what we do at Atrium Health? But a lot of it is, you know, we are very regulated, obviously, by what we can share and what we can't. And it's not like we can just go make a video about something without getting everybody's approval, you know, HIPAA. Everybody knows that because they go to the doctor's like, sign your HIPAA. All those forms, all the consent, things like that that we have to do behind the scenes, 
very much being scrutinized, obviously appropriately so, to make sure that people, when they're coming to the hospital, they feel safe and their privacy is not violated. I gather from what you're saying that Atrium doesn't yet have a TikTok account. We do not. We do not. That is something that we've looked into. And, and it is, like I said, just very labor intense. And we run a pretty lean operation for, you know, for the size of organization that Atrium is just by itself, you know, about 14 billion, you know, that's, that's by any stance, that's a big organization together with our, our partners, our new partners in, in the Midwest, Advocate Aurora Health, we are a $28 billion organization. That's massive. I mean, that's bigger than most entities here that are headquartered here in Charlotte. It's interesting to me that you've got to think in terms of social media, not just about the message that you're putting out, but also the way in which people out there in the world are reacting to it and commenting on it or commenting about you in a, in a, in a forum that you didn't create or didn't yes. even invite. And so I wonder how you do that. Have, yeah. have you got folks on the team who are just out there just sort of watching the networks and seeing what's being said? Do you, is it important to respond to things or not respond to things? I'm, yeah. I'm, very, I'm very curious about the challenges that, that is presented in that way. Yeah, our whole social media team and others are involved in making sure that we're monitoring you know, comments both on our page and then things that are happening just out in the environment. Because as you imagine, with 75,000 teammates, things happen, right? And then with how many locations we have, I mean, we have 1,400 care locations. Things, life happens, right? And sometimes people are at their most vulnerable moments when that stuff happens, and they either are happy or they're not happy, right? And typically, you don't plan at the beginning of the year saying, oh, you know, this year I want to go five times to the hospital. You know, <laughs> it's, it's an emergency. Like zero times exactly. would be ideal, yeah. Exactly, and so... You, when, when people end up in those, you know, situations, you know, a lot of things happen and, you know, then you get into billing issues too, right? Someone's not happy with their bill. I mean, I work for Atrium Health and I never like to receive the bill that I have, right? When I go or something like that. So there's a lot of things like that, that we're constantly have to monitor, look at. And like you said, it's really a case by case basis on, do we decide to interact with, you know, that whatever's happening or um, or we try to, obviously, uh, my goal of my team is to protect and defend and promote atrium health. That's, that's really what we're there to do is we're there to make sure that everybody understands why we're there. Um, and, and truly the jewel that atrium health, I believe is in each community that we serve. Do bad things happen every now and then? Sure. That's my job to make sure that we're working appropriately to get those things resolved as quick as possible. And, but yeah, that's, it's a, both the good side and the bad side of, you know, the news and, and with everything that happens. Prior to coming to Atrium, you worked doing communications with Walmart, including yeah. a stint in Arkansas. Yep. And I'm curious about the, the challenges that are created being involved in an organization like Atrium, which is not exactly a private company like Walmart, but also mm -hmm. not exactly a public entity like the local government, right? Sure. It's it's kind of a, a strange sort yep. of hybrid that most people, even I, I'm a lawyer, my background is as a lawyer, and I would suggest to you that even most lawyers don't even really know sort of what the dividing it's lines quasi. are. Yeah, yeah it's, like, yep. it's a hospital authority, yep. like whatever that yep. means, right? I just wonder in your role for communications, like what what challenges that creates, how it's different mm -hmm. from the work that you used to do for a very well-known public company. 
it's probably the most common question I get when people find out that I, I work for Walmart. And, you know, Walmart was, I thought, it couldn't get any crazier than Walmart, right? Like when you have, when you're trying to communicate to 2.3 million teammates or associates as we call them there, that was a big task, right? And you think about like when things happened like Ebola, one of the task force that I was in charge of was making sure that everybody was coordinated throughout the world on our response to Ebola. And you can imagine with 2.3 million teammates, there were teammates that were on flights that we had to help because they were exposed to possibly Ebola, you know? And so you remember all of those things that were happening and it was wild. Um, Fast forward, you know, six years ago, I joined Carolina's healthcare system. We did a big name change to Atrium Health. And and if you had told me that healthcare could be as, or, or, you know, more complex than what I did before at Walmart, I would have never believed you. But that's 100% true. I just could never have imagined how complex the intricacies, the things that you have to watch out for when when communicating, like it was, it, it really is. And then obviously add a, a small little thing called the pandemic onto that. And wow, I'm going to yeah, ask you yeah. about that in a minute. But <laughs> you're you're touching on something. I you know I was asking you about the the public versus the the quasi public yeah. sort of said the private company versus the kind of mm-hmm. halfway public entity which I'm still interested in, but you, you touch on healthcare and you mentioned HIPAA before and yeah. sort of the privacy regulations that, that are involved in that. All sorts of ethical issues and legal issues right. that are unique to the, the healthcare setting. You're dealing with a bunch of doctors. I'm married to a doctor, and so I feel I have standing to say <laughs> it can be a little bit like herding cats. They're very, very bright, very motivated, very talented, you know, Good, good at a lot of things yes. and, and are very aware of that, right? And, Absolutely. And act accordingly. And so, yeah, you're, you're, it's, a, it's a unique challenge, but the, the regulatory stuff must have taken you some time to sort of wrap your head around. I, you know, I, I hate to say, you know, when I came in, I fake it, fake it till you make it type of thing. But like, it, it, I didn't necessarily feel like that. But I will say about a year in, I was like, oh, now I get it. I mean, that's when I really felt like I was coming into my own a little bit about a year into there. And, and I, you know, uh, I consider myself a fairly bright guy, you know, and have never had that type of thing happen before. At Walmart, I jumped right in. You know, I led their IT communications for all of their IT operations across the world, then moved into a more global communications role. And it was, you know, I, I felt like that was, you know, maybe a month or two of just kind of figuring out the culture and things, how things worked. But it really, I feel like, took about a year for me to, you know, really get ingrained and understand that dynamics. And I'm still learning things all the time. I mean, that's one thing that keeps me going at Atrium Health is is really just learning. Every day is a new something that I'm, I mean, the political environment is so interesting right now. Things that are happening both in the state and both nationally, you know, I feel like Atrium is on kind of the forefront on a lot of those type of things. You talk about the innovation district and the school of medicine that we're building here, second campus from Wake Forest University. Amazing things that that we're really pushing on from an innovation side standpoint. Just announced a partnership with Best Buy to where people are wearing things in their home to help them so they don't have to be in a hospital, but they're in the comfort of their home. All of those type of things are pretty cutting edge for for healthcare. So. You know yeah. what I think is interesting is as a lawyer, I learned pretty early on that 
in any company, everything sort of runs through legal, right? So the, the legal department is there and yes. the legal department touches every part of every operation that the company's mm -hmm. involved in. And for large companies, it's a lot of different stuff, but it all runs through that one office. And so if you're if you're in legal, you kind of have your finger on the pulse of sort yes. of everything that's going on. And then eventually I noticed that there's the communications professional right there in the room. And a lot of times it's not um, so that we can put something out. Yeah. It just seems like it's very an important part of your job is just knowing what's going on, it's, right? Just so that you huge, don't get caught surprised. Huge. And that's part of like, I mean, I try to educate everybody. There's big C communications and there's little C communications. Big C is what my team does. When we go out and we have our newsletters or our, you know, using that teammate app that I was talking about or press releases or stories that you see on the, on the you know, local news or national news, those are all things coordinated by my team. What we're in trying to instill is little C communications. So like managers, give them context to be able to talk to their team, give them the confidence to say, you know, when there's a big change that's happening, that change management around explaining the why of what's happening that's really, really important. And if they don't feel like they have context, they don't share that information. So if they don't, if they don't have that, and then we're not giving that to them. And so partnership with, you know, legal is like they're usually like top of our list because we have privacy and legal that we're always sending stuff to. Say, have we covered everything? Are we good here on statements on anything that happens? You know, you'll see the, you know, in the newspaper or on the news. Atrium said that you know. All of those things clearly, typically, are going to have to run through somebody to to say yes. We we made sure that we're we're good, but we also work very closely with our HR team because you think about HR, they're very they're such an important partner when it comes to communicating and making sure again the culture of Atrium Health comes through, the culture of what we're trying to instill in the organization. We just unveiled last year culture commitments which are basically the way that we all agree that we're going to, you know, act at work. And and those are just amazing. And so, but but we can't do that by ourselves. We need all these partners across the organization. Like you said, legal is right at the top of that list. Well, you've been in Charlotte for a while. You you came to Charlotte to go to work at Atrium Health, right? No, actually Walmart sent me here to start a global shared service center for them. During that time, I came to realize it's like those inflection points in your life when you're like, okay, I think I might want to do this other thing in my life. And then when you do it, you're like, mm, my real love is Maybe communication. Not. Yeah, no, it, that's perfect. Yeah, no, yeah. That's perfect that you tried it and, and you know. Yeah. 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 I mean, I had a blast, but it, at that point in my life, you know, my kids, I have two girls. They were growing up fast. I wasn't seeing them that much. You know, it was it was definitely an all in job to try to get everything running at the at the shared service center and and so yeah. So that's through a friend of a friend. Basically, the job at Atrium Health became known to me. Interviewed and you know here we are. Here we are. Along the way, you stepped into your current role as vice president of enterprise communications. And around that time, December twenty nineteen, there were just a few stories pinging around the news about some people getting a cold in China. And at that time, I think probably a lot of us thought like, well, this will be sort of like SARS, you know, it'll be one of those things that we worry about, but doesn't turn into much. But next thing you know, within just a few months, we're, mm -hmm. we're locked down, we're working remote and you're in the, in the main chair for communications at Atrium Health. All of a sudden you're the task of communicating both internally and externally has changed dramatically. What was that like for you? 
Well, thanks for that uh, PTSD moment there. <laughs> Let's relive it together, Chris. Wow. It, I tell the story a lot is when, when we started the pandemic, like you said, things were floating around. I can remember drafting and helping draft emails that was going out to staff that basically said, you know, nothing much to worry about. This is like the flu. Don't forget how many people die from the flu every year. You know, alluding to SARS, alluding to all those things that we, our infectious disease team works very carefully on and monitors. And with their guidance and what the CDC was putting out at that point, we, we said, you know, don't wear masks around people. It'll, it'll scare our patients. It'll then make them think this is bigger than it actually is. And it's really not that big a deal. And then, you know, a month later, I can remember writing a saying, hey, go ahead and wear those masks. Probably a good idea to wear masks just to make sure that everybody's protected. And then I remember a couple weeks later, we're running out of masks. <laughs> uh, here's the proper procedure for re-wearing a mask that you have because you need to do think about that or how to properly fit those masks to your face so that you don't catch anything. Um, and then it went crazy from there. And There's just so much to say. Yeah. And, and just this example of what you're talking about, I think, is a way of explicating one of the unique challenges that you face. Because on the one hand, you're you're doing the best you can yeah. based on the information that you have available. That's it. Right? And then the information that you have available changes, and thus your guidance changes, mm -hmm. which I think most people would think if, if you asked them in the abstract would say, yeah, that's what you should do. That's yeah. the right, rational, responsible thing to do. But when it actually happens in real life, a lot of people look at that sort of uh, change in communication and point to it as though it reflects poorly on your credibility, yeah. right? Like you were, you were lying to me before. That's right. Why should I believe what you're saying now? That's right. That was a big part of, of communicating and making sure that people knew that this was evolving. We'd never seen anything like this before. And the world hadn't, right? Like not exactly like this. There were some things that we could look at in the past, but this was unique. And how it was spreading was unique. And each variation of it was unique. And so, you know, when when... I can just, I mean, think about all of the things at the beginning of, you know, we didn't know, was this thing airborne? How was it airborne? How was it, you know what I mean? Was it on surfaces? Could you touch things? You know, think about all of the, I mean, the big thing was wash your hands, <laughs> right? Cover your mouth when you're sneezing and wear a face mask. You know, that, that was the best way until the vaccine came. And that presented a whole new set of challenges, obviously. Because ongoing you, to oh, this very day, absolutely. Right? Well, you know, I, I, one of the things that we, we're talking about the internal versus the external. Mm -hmm. I, the, at the same time that the world is dealing with this, and you're dealing with this yeah. as a, as a person and as a family man, you're yep. you're dealing with this whole thing like in the same way that we all are. Meanwhile, you've got all of these people who work there, teammates, as yep. you refer to them. Yep. Who, my wife is an atrium employee, mm -hmm. and I vividly recall the experience of sending her off to work each day yep. and thinking, you know, the one place in the city where you know people have COVID is where you're going. <laughs> you know what I mean? People are just walking into yep. it. And then, and it was it was inspiring the way that we carried on and the mm -hmm. way that people were courageous and did what they needed to do. It was inspiring the way that that people innovated and figured out like, okay, we need yeah. to, you know, manage the air pressure in these rooms. That's right. and here's, here are the protocols. We're developing all this <laughs> exactly. stuff. And frankly, the communications, you were, you were sending out infectious disease doctors That's in right. a very prominent way to communicate about the latest sort of information. I can, I can only imagine what all of that is like for a guy who's been on the job a couple of months. I mean, it was, it was nuts. It was really, I mean, I don't know. 
if I've truly recovered from that time. I mean, honestly, like in many ways, I, it was, I tell people, and I don't know if many believe me, but there was, there was days, weeks, months, years where, I mean, I know for the first several months I was working 12 to 15 hours every single day, not, not Monday through Friday. It was every single day because new information was coming out. There was something that needed to be changed, new signage that had to be made, something that had to be out there. Obviously, we're known as experts, so we were being called on by national media like we'd never had before. I have background in it. Luckily, I had a team ready to jump in on that. And it was, but it was absolutely wild. And, and that went on. It was like, you're thinking, okay, this can only last for, you know, a couple of weeks, but that went on for months and months and months and months and months. And, you know, and then being work from home, I mean, we've barely talked about that, but like that whole change of like not really talking and being around other people, not being able to mentor my team, like I typically would being able to just stop in and do that coaching by walking around saying hi to people, the whole intentionality changed drastically there of how to really keep the team intact, keep them going, keep them. I knew I was feeling burnout, and so I could imagine they were as well. So all of those things combined, it's, it, was, it was intense. And there, I know there were times where it's just like I felt myself, you know, getting emotional about things that I would typically never get emotional about, you know you know, feeling when we'd see the story of people that were, you know, not believing that people were dying in the hospitals, you know, and then they would get it and their family member would die and they would pass it on and things like that. And that was happening all the time. I mean, we had to bring in morgue units, extra morgue units and things like that. And I even had, you know, my own family questioning a lot of the things that were happening and, you know, saying, you know, well, I don't know if these numbers, I was like, look, I'm telling you the respirator number, you know, people that are on life support is going up drastically. And the percentage of those that are vaccinated versus not is, you know, it's very small. So, what does this point to, uh, you know, as somebody who's a professional in communications, um, it seems as though it's harder now for us collectively to tell the difference between the truth mm -hmm. and a lie. And, and I, I, I'm very curious with the advent of AI and mm -hmm. the way that that's going to influence communication. I mean, just the way that it can manipulate yeah. never. I mean, the met, the way that misinformation mm -hmm. can be very effectively disseminated. And here you are a guy yep. who's trying to disseminate real information I just wonder what your thoughts are on that and if it keeps you up at night or if, if you, you know, if you worry about where we're going. It, it does. It definitely does. It's a big debate amongst communication professionals right now. I sit on a leadership council and we just had this discussion last week actually about AI and certainly the misinformation side and fake news, so to speak, you know, has been out there for a while. So that's kind of like our job to help dispel some of that, figure out like what we do with that, the counterpoints to it. To yeah, really... but what, what about the problem that people just don't believe you anymore? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, we, you, can, you can do an effective job of responding with yep. the truth, but if people don't believe the truth, then we, you got a more fundamental problem. It, I mean, I truly believe that's the problem of what we're seeing across, you know, pretty much every, you know, political or social landscape right now. I mean, people are so ingrained into their camps 
that I think that no matter what, it's almost like a religion. You either, you know, you really believe in that and that's what you're going to stick with. And to change that would change you like, you know, like would take an act of God. Basically, Well, it seems like if we're going to crack the code, though, communication has to be a part of it. Uh, right? I be- I'm kind of hoping so. that you, you could, you could uh, tell I, me what I, we're going to do I'm here. I'm certainly right? going to believe it. But yeah. you mentioned AI and that is, I mean, that is a tricky, tricky thing right now because yeah. I believe, personally, I believe that it's something that can be used for good. I mean- Every writer has writer's block. Every writer has. So being able to use a tool just like you would any other tool, like people use thesaurus in the past to find a different word for something, I believe if you don't use it, you're going to probably get left behind in some form or fashion. Well, Chris, let's let's lighten the mood a little bit. Uh, you're from you're, – where are you from? That's a great question. So I'll give you my – No clear really, answer, no I No clear it. answer. My dad was in the Air Force. So I was born in Cocoa Beach, Florida. I lived in Iowa for a while. But I, my earliest memories were in Holland and, and, and grew up there, went to a Dutch school. My first language, my real first language was Dutch and lived off base. So really fully immersed into, into the culture there. And then we moved to Louisiana. No, sorry, from Holland to, to Arizona, Phoenix, Arizona. How about that time change for you there and culture change? And then we moved to Germany and then to Louisiana and then to Florida. And then to North Carolina, and then to, and then I've lived a bunch of places since then. Where in North Carolina were you? Uh, Franklin. Okay. So my father was also in the Air Force, and I was listening attentively to all the places that you mentioned because <laughs> I was wondering if we ever yeah. like crossed paths, but we didn't live in any of those places. But I know exactly yeah. what you mean, which is that you live in a whole bunch of places, and it's hard to say where you're from. You can yeah. say where you're born. Yeah. And even in your professional life, you've lived in Arkansas and Pennsylvania and Oklahoma yep. before ending up in Charlotte. So That's you right. have you have a perspective and uh, I wonder you ch- you chose to stay in Charlotte when you when yep. you when you thought that that Walmart gig was maybe not the thing that you wanted to do forever, you decided to go work at Atrium Health instead mm-hmm. of uh, instead of somewhere else. You've you've chosen to be here for as long as you have. I wonder uh, what it is about Charlotte that keeps you grounded here. We love Charlotte, and it is the place, you know, that we have chosen purposely to raise our kids. Like I said, I have two girls. When we moved here, they were little. So it's it's a place that we decided I want to give my kids that experience of having a place that they can call home that I did not have and a place that they can come home to when they're in college, when they're past that, that is home to them because – like when you ask that question, I want them to be able to say, where are you from? And they say, Charlotte. And and that's important to my wife and I just because I feel like that sense of belonging is really important. So, yeah. Well, good for you. You're, you've done a lot. You're not finished. No. I'm sure we would both agree that one of the greatest accomplishments of your entire life is being awarded the Charlotte Ledger 40 <laughs> over 40 award, which which is a, it is a true honor. I, I will say as somebody who spent some time Speaking with the other folks who have been given that honor, it, it really is an honor. You're in great company. But I wonder, as as you see time passing and as you've seen Charlotte grow along with yourself, what what are your thoughts about being at this phase in life? Yeah, it's, it's really, it's, I think it has become very, you know, clear, evident over the last probably two or three years to me that, you know, I'm not. I mean, I'm, I'm still have obviously a lot to live, but I'm not as young as I used to be. And, you know, and it's weird growing up because like when you get older, 
I don't think you generally are like, I'm old, you know, that's not how you feel. It's certainly not how you, you know, just in general and in, in, in how you interact with people. And so what I, you know, I'm kind of at that age now where I have my little, you know, daily supplements and pills that I'm taking and it has to remind me that I'm taking those because otherwise I forget, you know, things, things are, are, are definitely different. But I think at work, what, what I realize is how I've tried to be my whole career is, is kind of like the people that work with me, you rarely will hear me say, you work for me. You know what I mean? It's, you work with me. But what I also have to realize and what I have, I think, realized is, is those same individuals want to be mentored. They want that same opportunity that someone gave me early in my career to kind of bring them and show them and, and say, this is how, these are the life lessons or here's some leadership lessons that I learned along the way. And I have to be that person now where I had that person earlier in my career do that for me. I have to be that person now and give them some of those lessons. And sometimes they're hard lessons too. They're not the the fun ones that are the, hey, I saw this happen and we really need to talk about this. Sometimes they're the, you know, hey, let's go have, I, I do these things called walk and talks right now with my team where if I see someone really struggling, you know, or they reach out to me and say, hey, can we do the walk and talk? And we'll talk for an hour. We'll just meet out at one of the greenways and we'll just go do, a, and, and they'll just sit, we'll talk whatever's on their mind. But those are opportunities that I think I have to be really purposeful about now to make myself, especially in today's environment of working from home, my whole team is working from home. So creating those personal interactions are are face-to-face as opposed to video conference to video conference. You know, online is it has obviously done some amazing things o- over this time, but there's still that something special about that face-to-face. And investing into my team the way that someone invested into me, I think that's really important. Chris Berger, thank you so much for spending time with me today on the Charlotte Ledger Podcast. It's been a pleasure. That's it for today. The Charlotte Ledger Podcast is produced by Lindsay Banks. You can find out more about the Charlotte Ledger at thecharlotteledger.com. And you can find out more about our 40 Over 40 Awards at ledger40over40.com. Queen City Podcast Network.com.